0: The message the Lord has given me is entitled A Life of Love, A Life of Love. Almighty God, as we come together and consider your word, would you quicken it in our spirits that there would no longer be a division between what we hear from your word and the way we live Would you break through today in the kingdom of our lives with your kingdom? In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. It's been now almost two months since Jan died. I was stunned by Jan's death because I believed Jesus would heal her. I did not waver in my faith, as did many of you stood with me without wavering, believing that Jan would be healed. And when she wasn't, I was devastated. Jan was, without a doubt, my closest friend, my partner. She was my life. We served Jesus together from the very practical issues of preparing food and taking care of the home, to ministry. There wasn't anything we did separate from one another. We did it together. So suddenly when Jan is gone, the question comes, how do I live? Day by day, how do I live? From very practical questions as the food spoils in the refrigerator and I'm dumping it in the trash until finally the refrigerator is almost empty to producing tapes and CDs all of the work of the ministry how do I live? I said to many of you I don't know how to live. I don't know how to get through this. Well, I quickly discovered there were two essentials. One, I needed to breathe every day. And two, I needed to eat at least once every day. So I practiced breathing and eating. But of course, that's not enough. You still have to live. So how do you live? What I'm saying is not strange to some of you because you've either been through it or you've been through it with depression and discouragement and despair and the desert travel is hard. And so you raise the question, how do I live? How am I going to survive what I'm suffering through? Emotionally, physically, spiritually, it seemed to me that God was gone. Like he was on vacation. What do you do when it seems like God is gone on vacation? How do you survive? Should I go into utter discouragement and despair and say, what's the use I don't want to do this anymore, give up, or tough it out and say, I'm a man. I can handle whatever comes. So it's tough. I'm tougher. I mean, there are many different approaches you can take. You can pull out your sword and start killing everybody around you you know it's obviously their fault you can even start calling people names bitter angry you know if they just done something different and especially if god if you had just done something different oh i mean you've got many options you can take you can play the angry card you can play the victim card you can play the dumb card you can play the depressed card you can play All kinds of ways. Well, how are you going to live? The question remains in the face of the desert journey how will I live? And how will you live? What will be your course of action? Well, I would go in the prayer closet and I would cry out to the Lord every day and I would say basically the same thing Lord, I don't know how to live, I don't know how to continue. Please show me. Show me how to live. And finally, it became sufficiently desperate. As I went away for these days with these precious friends that had a spare bedroom, I was right on the beach. So I would try to go out and walk the beach. Well, that was Jan's place. How do I live? How do you live when sadness overwhelms? Disappointment, discouragement, depression, bitterness, anger, hurt, failure, shame. How do you live? as I was boldly pressing the throne of God over these questions, my reading for the day was in Romans 6, 7, and 8. And I devoured those chapters expecting to find an answer and found none. And I was sitting before the Lord saying, Lord, I read what you told me to read and there is no answer on how I should live how am I going to get through? And he directed me to Ephesians, the fifth chapter. I'm going to share with you what he told me about how he wanted me to live. And then I'm going to talk with you about what that means practically as I now have been walking in that. It begins in chapter 5, verse 1 be imitators of God. Okay, now I have a step. How do I live? I imitate God. Therefore, as dearly loved children, live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Well, most of my life, I've been taught that the way you live is to gather everything in as close as you can, and then you give what you can out of that little bit that you have. But you give carefully. This is saying, live a life of love... And the Greek word, of course, is agape, meaning self-sacrificing love. But then the verse continues and speaks about live like God lived and choose to sacrifice your interests for another. Live a life of giving to others. Well, I thought about that and I said, "Okay, Lord, I'll buy that. I can live a life of love. I can give myself up for others. But I don't feel like I have enough to give anybody anything. I'm on empty. What do I have to give? And that's when he turned me back to Ephesians, the first chapter. We'll begin in the first chapter, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. It sounds as though the interpreters of this passage want us to believe that God blessed us, but it's all in heaven. There's quite a contention over this translation it can just as easily be translated, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with heavenly realms, with every spiritual blessing. In other words, this is a heavenly realm that I'm in. And if I can begin to catch the reality that in this realm, God has blessed me with everything heaven has. Well, if that's true, I'm going to have to make a dramatic shift out of, I have nothing. What can I give anybody? I have to shift out of that lack mentality, that emptiness to say, no, I've been given all the blessings of heaven. The heavenly realm is about me. I'm dwelling in the heavenly realm right now, and heaven has not held back any gift that would be of benefit to me. So all the gifts of heaven are available for me. But in order to receive those, I'm going to have to transition out of this physical realm and walk into the spiritual realm. God is looking for worshipers who worship Him in spirit and in truth. So, for me to walk with, with God and like God means that I no longer use as the frame of reference, what's happening in the physical realm. Now, let's get real practical. someone says or does something to you in the physical realm that makes you very sad in your heart and very uncomfortable. If you're going to remain in the physical realm, then you need to put your fists up and defend yourself. But we're not called to live in this physical realm. We're called to live in the spirit realm. We're called to walk with Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth. So what another person does in the physical realm, I'm not oblivious to. I see it. My physical body can feel the blow. But I'm now one with Jesus... And so I no longer choose to respond to a person based on the needs of the physical realm. Rather, I'm responding in the spirit realm the way I know Jesus Christ would respond. He goes further. Back to our passage in Ephesians, the fifth chapter. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. He's saying, don't live in this physical realm, giving yourself over to the lust of the flesh. Don't do it because it will make it impossible for you to walk in love. It'll be impossible for you to walk in the spirit. You can't walk in lust and love at the same time. Impossible. Because lust is about satisfying the desires that I have and using another person to do that. Love is about choosing to give myself for the enjoyment of another. Whether it be in marriage or whether it be with Jesus. It's giving myself for the enjoyment of another. There must not be any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity or foolish talk or coarse joking which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For this you can be sure, No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness... But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. I said, oh, wait a minute. I'm told that if I want to make it through this deal, I'm going to have to choose to sacrifice myself to give to others. And I'm going to have to live a life imitating God. And as I live that life imitating God, the heart of the whole thing is to love. Without sexual impurity, without lust, without bitterness, without anger, without greed. I'm to live as a child of light, not of darkness. This is difficult for us to begin to get a hold of because we've lived almost our entire lives in darkness. You know, grabbing and growling, getting what we think we need, grasping after. But the command is to live a life of love, giving myself for another person walking in the light and not in the darkness. Then he specifically says there are three aspects of living as children of the light. The first one is goodness. When you look in the Greek, you find it means uprightness of heart. It means kindness. Kindness. Then righteousness Dikasune is the Greek root word that's being used here. Literally, righteousness is to be made acceptable to God. And to live a life that's acceptable before God. Not a life where I'm grabbing for what I want and demanding that the world work the way I want it to work. Now, let me be straight. I wanted my wife to live and not die. I believed that God told me that she would be healed. She's not. She died. Oh, I know. She's healed for eternity. She's with Jesus, but she's not with me. My bed is empty. My bathroom is empty. My kitchen is empty. My house is empty. I rattle around in it. So what am I to do? I'm to live a life day by day of loving other people. I'm to fill my time and to use my energy to love other people. Whether that's in the grocery store, with friends, in a ministry setting, I'm to give myself, I'm to pour out Instead of grabbing to pull in, so that means no angry words, no sharp words, no judging words. It means not cutting off, not running, not being a victim, not complaining. It means not feeling sorry for myself. It means instead focusing my attention. Who needs my help? And where can I be contributing something of value? Even though I'm not going to get back from that, what I most desire. You know what I most desire. I desire to have Jan with me. That's not going to happen. So I have this journey now to take until I die or until Jesus comes. So how am I going to journey? I'm going to journey as a child of the light, giving myself to love other people without judgment. Well, practically, what's that look like? I was sitting in a restaurant talking with my waitress and you know what I'm going to ask right off Are you a follower of Jesus She thought about my question for a moment She said You know I don't I don't think I am a Christian <laughs> My mother and father were not religious people. My grandma was, but they weren't. I've never studied. I'd have to study to see if I was a Christian. I believe in God, but I don't know about Jesus. Do you have a Bible? Well, yes, I have a Bible, but I can't understand the language. I said, oh, you mean you have a King James Version? I don't know what it is, but I can't understand it when I read it. I said, well, would you like a Bible? Oh, I would love a Bible. Well, I'll get you one. So off I went to the Bible bookstore. And of course... Now comes the hard part. Very limited amount of financial resources. So I quickly go and see where there's a paper Bible. And the Lord whispered to me Would you buy that for yourself? (laughs) No, Lord, I wouldn't. All right, a bonded leather. Would you buy that for yourself? No, Lord, I wouldn't. Then why would you buy it for me? Oh, Lord. And so I went and found a beautiful leather bound. And I purchased it. I drove back to the restaurant. I found her and gave her her first Bible, her first real Bible. And I walked out. Now, what did I just do? Well, from the flesh, what I did was crazy. I didn't have the money to do that in my flesh world. But in the spirit... That was a gift to Jesus. Walking, meeting a man. I don't want to talk to him. I want to walk. Self sacrifice. Stop and talk. So I broke the rhythm of my walk. Sweats pouring down my face. Standing out in the hot sun. Talk to him. Doors open like a barn door wide open. Talk to him. Self sacrificing love. You begin to walk this out, and you're constantly asking Jesus, What do you want me to give? And the flesh rises up and says, Okay, I'll give everything. I'll be in poverty. It doesn't matter to me. I'm tough. And Jesus says, No, I'm not asking you to be in poverty that someone else could be enriched. I'm just asking that you walk in the light with gentleness, with mercy, with kindness. See, it's not about being religious. It's about loving each other and sacrificing ourselves for each other and trusting that we live in a heavenly realm where everything is provided for us. That we can trust Jesus. We can trust Him for our marriage, or we can trust Him with our singleness. We can trust Jesus. And according to Ephesians, the first chapter, Every gift of heaven has been poured out from us, for us. We've been chosen before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons or daughters through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. In other words, Jesus loves us. And he's purposed to adopt us into his family. In him we have, in verse 7, redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And the Greek word for forgiveness of sins literally means to release from bondage, to release from prison, to remove from that painful place. So in Jesus Christ we have the purchasing of his blood over our souls and then we have the removal of sin from our hearts. Verse 9, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when all when times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. So in other words, we now have the management strategy that God is employing. He's in the process of bringing together every divergent piece and making one whole unit, a unity between peoples A unity between all peoples, bringing our heart into unity with his heart, and then bringing people into unity with us so that there no longer is conflict and bitterness and anger, no longer violence, but gentleness, love, kindness, mercy. That's what his purpose is, that's what his management is about. So I can take the position God, you're a thief. You've stolen my love. You've treated me poorly. I hate the circumstances of my life. I can get bitter or I can get better. I can choose not to become bitter by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, I can recognize the reality of the spirit realm, and I can live under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And now my whole life is to be an open conduit through which God can flow love and compassion and mercy to other people. So I wonder how many of you today came into this place with a bucket full of your own pain. A bucket full of your own complaints. A bucket full of your own hurt. For the way you've been treated. The bitterness of the circumstances of your life. I only, I only know one way that God has given me. To rise above all of that. And that is to begin to imitate the Lord God of heaven. To act like God acts. And to begin to let go of every offense and to forgive every offense. And to begin actively giving in every way the Lord opens for me to give exactly what he tells me to give. In some places it will be a new Bible. In other places it will be an hour of conversation that I didn't want to have. In another place, it will be taking care of life, ironing, cleaning, taking care of the house, because it's not my house. It's the Lord's house. It's not my clothes, it's the Lord's clothes. In other words, to begin to recognize that my whole life is being poured out for Jesus and I'm choosing as I pour my life out for Jesus to treat those around me with kindness and respect and dignity. To not be caustic in my remarks. To not be abrasive in my judgments, to not be harsh in what I think and what I want, but instead to say, Lord, I love you, I serve you, how can I contribute and make this situation better for someone else? It's looking out after another's interests. It's looking out for more than just me and mine. But it's choosing to give. And obviously, if I think I don't have enough to give, it's because I'm walking in the flesh and not in the spirit where I already own everything. Everything. I own everything. When I'm in Jesus and Jesus is in me, all that I have and all that I am belong to him. And now he can pour out through me what he chooses to do. Now, does that mean the tears are gone? No. Does that mean I don't have to deal with the pain of the physical body? No, I still have that. I still have loss. I don't deny that, but I can't let that control my life. I can't let disappointment control my life. I can't let the circumstances dictate who I am. Jesus Christ is the one who dictates who we are. So he's very practical. Live as children of light. The fruit of the light consists in goodness, righteousness, and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Do you realize everyone would have loved Jesus Had he not exposed their sin. But he exposed their sin. And they got angry about his exposing their sin. See, I can be very peaceful and very calm and and very loving until I'm uncovered. Then I have to make a decision Am I going to repent? Turn from the darkness? Or am I going to be an octopus and throw up a screen of black ink so nobody can see anything and I can scoot away in the darkness and leave the drama I've created behind? Are any of you drama queens and kings? Do you know what I mean by a drama queen or a drama king? Go into a room and immediately you can stir up a battle. Say something that makes somebody be on guard. Come in and just begin to push antagonism. And then you get to slip away and leave the mess. And nobody's seen you for who you are. Well, the scriptures are saying... have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them, uncover them, call one another lovingly to be accountable in the truth of Jesus Christ. For it's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible for it's light that makes everything visible. If you begin living as a child of the light, nothing's going to be hidden around you because you're going to see it all. And then you have to make a decision. Are you going to go join that darkness with anger and bitterness, or are you going to walk in that in such a manner that love is spread and covers the sin of another? Find out what pleases the Lord. I challenge you to wake up in the morning and say, Lord, what could I do today that would please you? What could I say today that would please you? How do you want me to use my time? Now, you recognize if you do this, it's going to take you time in the prayer closet in the morning. First thing. When I get up in the morning... I'm usually awake at 5.30. The first thing I have to do is go get in the prayer closet. Because if I don't, my thoughts will begin to race. My loss will begin to mount. And despair will begin to grab me. So I get to the prayer closet quickly. And there I begin to praise the name of Jesus And ask him, what could I do today that would be pleasing to you? Here's what I have on the agenda, Jesus. I believe you've asked me to do these things. Do you want to change any of those things? Now, you have work assignments. You're supposed to be at Verizon, or you're supposed to be at Absolute Insulation, or you're supposed to be wherever it is you're supposed to be. The question is, as you go to that place, what does Jesus want you to do? How does he want you to be? Could you imagine a Christian walking into his place of work with a frown on his face, grousing with other employees about not getting his cup of coffee. I don't think that's going to happen with a Christian. A Christian is going to walk in with a smile on his face, joy in his heart, prepared to make a contribution that day, no matter what it costs. He's not going to go in antagonistic, bitter, angry, grousing about the pay. He's not going to gather around the water fountain having gossip discussions about so-and-so and how stupid they are. It's not going to happen. That's the way of darkness. A Christian is going to instead have nothing to do with the shameful darkness But everything is going to be exposed by the light of glory that is upon his heart and upon his face. For it is light that makes everything visible. That is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Let me give you the Tyndale Bible translation of that. Brief passage. It says, Stand up from death and Christ shall give you light. Stand up from death and Christ will give you light. Well, how about if I stay in death until the light comes? It'll never come. You have to actively take a posture that says, I am standing up out of this darkness and this sin by the power of the blood of Jesus. And as you stand in that place and you praise the name of Jesus, the light of glory will begin to come down on your life. The depression will be gone. The discouragement will be gone. And I testify before you, the pain is taken from your heart. And you walk in peace and in joy. And there isn't anything in the day that can touch you because you're no longer laying down in death. You've now stood up from that death. And you're walking now in Jesus Christ. And the light of glory comes upon you. So, how shall I live? I know how. Every once in a while this week, as pain would roll back in, I'd say, Lord, I don't know how to live. He'd say back, yes, you do. Yes, you do. I can never say again, I don't know how to live, and neither can you. We're called to be imitators of God. We're called to live a life of love. We're called to walk as children of the light. We're called to rise up out of the death that the light of glory could shine upon us. Almighty God, we need you to come down and give us the courage to stand up out of this death And recognize that you are the light of glory. And you are now shining upon us. Lord, I worship you. I honor your mighty name. You have been faithful to me through all of the years. Bringing the wonderful gifts into my heart. And into my life. It was you who brought Jan as a wonderful gift on loan. And I thank you for her life. I thank you for her testimony. And I thank you that she is safe in your arms. Life nor death cannot separate us from your love, Jesus. And I worship you today. And I refuse to lay down in death. I will walk in the light. In Jesus' name, amen.